Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Paddler's Playbook, a kayak fishing experience. Brought to you by Mariner Sales, providing the largest selection of kayaks and kayak accessories since 1975. Real sportswear, get out on the water and wear what the guides wear. Galveston Redfish Series, the largest, most affordable redfish series on the Gulf Coast. Sign up today. Pure Fishing, home to the world's most trusted fishing brands. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle with your host, Drew Turner. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner, coming to you live from the Mariner Sales Studios here in Conroe, Texas. Bro staff, I'm so glad you guys are joining me. You have no idea. I've had so much going on. Since this last episode aired, if you guys have not noticed, it's Tuesday, not Thursday. I decided to switch back to Tuesday drops. Um, It seems like there's more people who download it on a Tuesday. I guess because there's more week for you guys to listen. But I'm moving it back to Tuesday, so that's why we're dropping on a Tuesday. I also got a chance to make it out to the Mariner sales demo days that was pretty awesome i also picked up a new boat you guys haven't heard me talking about it i picked up the new canoe unlimited with the nk 180 i am rigging this sucker out like it is gonna be bad to the bone i'm hoping that it's going to be a great great skinny water marsh boat the autopilot was awesome I just wanted to try something different this year. Um, The autopilot worked perfect in the marsh for what I needed it to do. The one thing I didn't like about the autopilot was I wasn't able to run the motor as shallow as I would like. And maybe it wasn't even just running the motor that shallow. I didn't want to paddle as much as I had to paddle in the shallow water in the autopilot it didn't paddle great which you don't expect something like the autopilot to paddle awesome it didn't paddle extremely terrible i know the unlimited is going to paddle a little better it's a little easier to load and unload i want to say it's like 60 pounds lighter there's some trade-offs you know it's it's a lot easier to put the motor and battery and everything in it's a lot cleaner and everything in the autopilot where the ultimate's going to be rigged out it's just it's not as clean like there's wires exposed wires and stuff that i'm just not used to that i really like a really really clean area but the different ways that you can put all of your accessories on this ultimate has me super super excited if you haven't checked out the facebook or instagram go check that out i posted a few little teaser pictures i'm gonna do some before and afters i have a lot of accessories coming from new canoe and coming from our friends at yak attack as well as everything that i've already picked up from our friends over at mariner sales Since the last episode, not only did I go to demo days, not only have I been super busy building rods, I've also picked up a new boat, and the first event for the Galveston Redfish Series happened. 
it was a great event. Pretty good turnout. Um, I think we had over 20 teams, so we'd like to see 30, 40 teams sign up for the next one. Well, Team Paddler's Playbook finished sixth. We were in fifth place. You know, top five is always our goal. I know we want to win every tournament, but top five is always our goal for those tournaments. And the very last team that made it to weigh-ins in the kayak division knocked us into sixth place. We were sitting in fifth for a while. I mean, we were sitting in fourth for a while. We knew we didn't have enough to be in the top three, but we knew that we probably had enough to be in the top five. We ended up with 12-something. I think it was a high 12s. We ended up getting knocked out by 13-2. It, it was a good day. wasn't an extremely frustrating day. We had two fish really early in the day, and we had a third fish that was just barely, not barely legal. So it was right there at 28. I tried so bad to make that fish under 28 on the slant board. Well, I say slant board. On my catch board, I slanted it up. I mean, I slanted it up to like 10 inches. And we could not get the thing under 28. That would have been a nice fish. That would have put us in third place if we would have been able to weigh that fish in, and it was just barely over. I'm talking like hairs over. And when I say over, I'm talking about it was like 28 and a quarter on a flat catch board. So if you're not familiar, a slant board actually will reduce the length of the fish a little bit just because of the way it's made. So it may measure you know, 28 and a quarter on a flat board, but on a slant board, it'll be just under 28. Usually that is like, that's the guideline. Anything over 28 and a quarter, it automatically goes back. Anything under 28 and a quarter, let it relax, then measure it again. If it's still under 28 and a quarter, it's probably going to, on a slant board, be less than 28. But we don't want to chance it anymore, so we went ahead and just bought a slant board to take on the kayak with us, and we're just going to measure our fish on a slant board instead of on a on a flat board if it's an iffy fish. Also, we didn't just have that fish that had to go back. We also got broke off twice with upgrades, or they felt like they would have been upgrades. You know, you never know. They felt good. They they felt like more than six and a half, seven pound fish. And I broke off. I had a fish that came right beside my kayak. I'm talking right beside. I did not even have to cast to this fish. I could see the fish. I literally had about three foot of line out. And I dipped my lure into the water as it swam by me. And it demolished it. But it demolished it and ran straight into my rudder, wrapped itself around my rudder, and pulled the hook. Now, I tell you that I just dipped it in the water because I was not able to get a good hook set on this fish. I know it was a big fish because I saw the fish swim by me. 
not two minutes later, I hear cussing on the other side of the point that we were fishing, and my brother lost an upgrade as well. So we had the opportunities to move out of sixth place. Um, this was a little later in the day, and it was within minutes of each other that we hooked these fish that, that could have been upgrades. But we went against what we said we were going to do. We didn't stick to the grind to grind one area. After we got our two, two fish really early, well, our three fish really early, we left the area to go try a different lake where we were not successful. We spent an hour and a half back in this other lake for no reason. We should have just backed off the area we were fishing, let the fish reload, you know, wait 30 minutes, and then go back and hit that area. We decided to move, and we shouldn't have moved. We left fish to find fish, and on tournament day, that can be costly, especially if you're on quality fish, which we were on, you know, six and a half, seven pound fish, which probably meant that there were some eight, eight and a halves uh, mixed in there. But those are the fish stories. Everybody has them. If everybody caught all the fish on tournament day that they talked about at the weigh-ins, everybody would have 17-pound bags. So that's what happens. But anyways, guys, um, event two is coming up. I know Jessica's going to talk about it in just a second. In this episode, it was a really fun episode to talk with Mr. Bones about from Feel Free. This guy got to experience a really, really cool trip that we are going to talk about. And he dropped some news about a new boat that is dropping from Feel Free. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hey, bro staff. Looking for the ultimate kayaking experience? Look no further than Mariner Sales Kayaks. Their selection of top-of-the-line kayaks and accessories is unmatched, and their knowledgeable staff is always here to help you find the gear for your next adventure. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced paddler, they have everything you need to make the most of your time on the water. Visit them today and see why Mariner Sales is the go-to destination for kayaking enthusiasts everywhere. That's MarinerSales.com. Log on for your adventure today. Speaking of adventure, introducing Galveston Redfish Series Event 2, the ultimate fishing competition for all redfish enthusiasts. Join us on the beautiful coast of Galveston for a weekend of adrenaline-fueled action as you battle it out to catch the biggest and the best redfish in the area. With a cash prize of $10,000 up for grabs, it's time to show off your skills and compete against the best in the game. Don't miss out on this thrilling event. Register now for the Galveston Redfish Series Event 2. If your adventures have you going from the boardroom to the boat ramp, then you need to log on to realsportswear.com. Explore their must-have fishing shirts, best-selling fishing shorts, and their top-rated fishing headgear. Whether you're fishing all day or hanging out in the blind each weekend, they have all the clothing products that you need to make your next adventure a stylish success. That's realsportswear.com. Log on today. That's it for me, bro staff. I'm Salt Side Jess, and as always, I'll see you on the salt side. 
Thank you so much, as always, Saltside Jess, for everything coming to us from all of our sponsors. I'm recording this a little early, so I'm not going to be able to give y'all the GRS update on this one. But this is going to be like right before the first GRS. But my man Bones, this is like a top secret confidential show right now because we're recording this before anyone else really hears about some of the boats that Bones is going to talk about during our show today. And if you guys don't remember, Bones joined us last year. He's our man from Feel Free. He's our man from Feel Free. And like he's a he's a bro staff pro now. Like he he is a member of the bro staff. He's here and he has some really cool stories that he's about to drop on us about his 50th birthday that he spent in Iceland. Before we talk about feel free kayaks, like I was like, hey, did you do anything interesting? You got any interesting trips going on? And Bones, you were like, no, you I mean not really. I just, you know, I went to Iceland for my for my birthday uh, recently. Well, damn, dude, that's interesting. Like, <laughs> tell me more about this trip to Iceland. Yeah, well, you know, um, I'm one of those guys that's big on my birthday, but not so much in the celebratory, you know you know, have a big party kind of perspective, but more in, in the sense of doing, you know, cool, epic things. And over the years, you know, I've been paddle sports for, shit, um, what is it now, 17 years? And uh, I, uh, it, you know, I love paddle sports. Don't get me wrong. I still go out as much as I, c- I can. But I do find that when I'm out on a kayak or even a stand-up paddle or whatever it may be, quite frankly, even a boat, I kind of feel like I'm working, you know, I'm, I'm taking photos. I'm, I'm always doing something that relates to my job. And I find that hiking is really a kind of a separation from what I do day to day. So over the past, I don't know, maybe uh, seven or so years, I've been, I've taken on hiking as kind of an, uh, my recreational uh, hobby uh, over and beyond paddle sports. And every, t- every year I try to do something pretty big and I was turning 50 and I thought, man, I want to hike 50 miles and come to find a, I think it's a 53 mile hike uh, that basically takes you from like the lower two thirds of the Iceland. If you ever look at Iceland, it's actually not a very big country. So I don't want to say we hiked half of it, but I would say maybe a third of it. Um, And we did that uh, over six days and yeah, it was awesome. I guess I downplayed it some, but it was a truly an epic experience. And quite frankly, it's one that I think most people can do. It's not that, you know, exotic or anything like that. It's just a matter of getting there. Now, now, is it is it true where it's like Iceland is green and Greenland is all ice? Like, wh- wh- what time of year did you go and was there still ice on the mountains and everything or was it, it was pretty green? Uh, absolutely more green than ice. Now, we did hike across several glacier fields. Uh, that have been there for whatever I want to maybe I guess thousands or tens of thousands of years. I don't even remember, but um, we were there in the summertime. It was in August. No, sorry. It was July. I just lied. It was in July and um, most of the ice and snow had already melted, but we, we still had to trek across, you know, 
snow fields that were like, you know, three or four miles long of just snow kind of white out conditions in, in July, in July, but you're right. Uh, and we asked, cause you hear this, that I guess the Vikings used to, used to named it Iceland to get to, to, you know, basically deter others from visiting. Yeah. And they were sending them off to Greenland, which is actually full of ice. And get them away from their land. Yeah, and we asked about that, you know, and you know, a few people here and there, and they say, yeah, it's true, but you know, folklore, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> what um, what type of reception did you get from the Icelandic people? Were they were they really nice? You know, are they absolutely rude, or what? What What are the Icelandic people like? Uh, incredibly nice. Now they're not there to have. You know, not like us Texans where, you know, they want to sit around, have beers and talk all day long. They, they, they're they very cordial. Let's just put it that way. I never experienced a situation where I felt like I wasn't, you know, welcomed. Um, very helpful. They love to talk about their land. They love to talk about their history there. And yes, they'd like to talk about the Vikings. But they weren't like waiting at the end of the trail at the end of the day, like, hey, come on, I made some brisket and I, I have some beers. Like, why don't you guys look like you're tired from hiking no. over the glacier field all day? Why don't you come over to the house and we'll we'll start the fire pit and jump in the sauna and, and have some brisket and beers. So not, not no hospitality like that, but they were just real nice. To they didn't have southern hospitality. That's that's still something else. You know, okay. No, no peach cobbler or anything like that. No, no, no. In fact, the guy that picked us up, you know, because once we got to the end of the hike, we hired a. There's like a service. You you pay some random dude to basically drive you back to town. It's a two hour drive, and uh, he shows up in a red Mercedes, just beautiful. And I'm like, man, this is strange. And he gets out and he's like, hey, are you the guys? I'm like, yep. And I'm like, he's like, okay, well, um, I'm gonna take you back. Uh, I'm your man, uh, but just, you know, you guys are going to have to hold on. And we're like, why? He's like, I got to smoke my cigarette. It's like, okay. <laughs> so literally he sat there smoking a cigarette, didn't say a word. Nice as can be. Don't get me wrong. Just, yeah. Uh, you know, and he's finished the cigarette, got in the car, never said a word, dropped us off. And that was it. Very strange. Uh, well, there you go. So Red were Mercedes. You, were, were you hiking the whole time or did you get to just chill out? Um in Iceland a little bit? Like how many days total did you get to stay there? Yeah. So I was there for 14 days. We, uh, long story short, we arrived uh, two days in advance to get all our gear ready, you know, do a, a gear count, make sure our food's in order, bike, you know, fuel, things like that. And then they drove, we took a bus to the uh, starting point. Um, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the place. Lager, lager. Too <laughs> many S's and V's and, yeah, yeah G's I, I and up. everything I, else. I kept trying and trying. And I finally, I just said, you know what, guys, I'm done. I'm just going to, you know, at that point, right? Anyway, uh, he dropped. they dropped us off, and we started our hike. And we were pretty much done in six days. Uh, so at that point, we're already at, you know, what, eight days. And then my wife, on day number nine or seven, sorry, number eight, she met us in town at Reykjavik. That's only one city I can't pronounce. And we spent seven days, uh, you know, hanging out in Iceland. It was phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the country's just beautiful. The food's, yeah, it's decent. You That's know, it's I, good. That, that was going to be my next question, because before we started recording, we were kind of talking about 
like our kids' preferences and how they're a little spoiled. And you were talking about cooking briskets and everything, and I got a smoker. You know, I'll make briskets and stuff, pork loin and, and different things like that. So I know we probably have some of the same type of taste buds, and we kind of like the same stuff. So was there anything in Iceland that you were like, this is delicious, or and was there some stuff that you were just like, why would people even consume <laughs> this? Or was it just all just kind of me? It was, you know, fish and chips. I never thought that somebody could make fish and chips the way they did. It, I, I cannot explain. It looks no different than the fish and chips you get at the local bar. Mm-hmm. But it just tasted incredible. I don't know if it was just the freshness of the fish or they just the oils they used or what it is. Everywhere you went, if you order fish and chips, you know it's going to be a fantastic meal. Uh, the they love lamb. Okay. So and I do too. So it actually worked out yeah, just I fine. Can, so I can deal with some lamb. I yeah, steak steakhouses. You know, instead of ordering steak, I said, you know what? I'm from Texas, and nobody can make a better steak than you know restaurants in Texas and. We know it, <laughs> and me. I can make. Yeah. I can make. I can make a killer steak, man. There but you go. <laughs> I'm just being funny. But anyway, um, the their lamb chops, all that kind of stuff, was just phenomenal, and it was good. There was a lamb sandwich. It was a little odd. You know, you, you know how you go to the grocery store and get a sandwich when you're out fishing. You're just like, man, I'm starving. I'm just gonna pick up one of these tuna sandwiches or chicken yeah. salad sandwiches. They had a uh, interesting lamb sandwiches. You know, I can't say they were great, but you know, it was nice to try. But the one thing that I didn't try, well, there was actually two things. Apparently, they do eat horse meat. Um, oh, and you didn't they, try it? Well, I never got an opportunity. I okay. would have, honestly. You would have tried it, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. just to try it once to say that you've, you've tried yeah. horse meat. Yeah, and I know that might piss yeah. people off. But, you know, I would have because, you know, they raise horses the way we do cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, h- however, the one thing I, I, wanted, I really did want to try it, I never got a chance to do it, was fermented shark. Oh, and, yeah, 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 because that's one of the only places that they do it. Yeah. And if you do not ferment it correctly, it is extremely toxic. Like Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so I watched a whole documentary about this. So there's only like three families in all of Iceland that still are able to do this because they're the only ones that are able to actually hunt these sharks. And they keep them for months yeah. under certain conditions in these almost like a smoke shed. You yeah. Know, when we think of, of things down here, you know, we think of like sausage in a huge smoke shed or something. But because sharks, you know, sharks don't they don't pee or anything like that. And if you do not um, prepare them correctly or like bleed them out if you're going to eat a black tip or something like that they have a real strong buildup of ammonia and these sharks are the same way and there were some icelandic people a long time ago that figured out just the perfect way to you know process quote unquote i'm going to call it process to process these sharks to remove all the ammonia Mm. all the toxins from it and there's, it's like one of the only places, and it's like a thousand-year-old, you know, thousands-of-year-old method of getting this shark to ferment and being able to eat it correctly. Because if you eat it straight off, like you kill the shark and then you eat it, it's toxic to you. 
Yeah. So people were coming and they were killing these sharks because they're like, these huge sharks are here. Like, there are huge sharks for us to eat. And then they would die, and then they're like, oh, we're not eating those sharks anymore. <laughs> but there were some families that are just like, oh, y'all don't know what you're doing, and we're not going to show you how to how to uh, prepare these sharks. But there's only three families of people in Iceland that prepare all that fermented shark because nobody else knows the special sauce. That's cool, man. I had no idea. Even more of a reason I would have, you know, uh, you know, wanted to seek it out and do it. And if I would have known that, I would have tried harder, you know. To, to find but, some more. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I I enjoy trying things. And, you know, I, I mean, growing up as a Hispanic in South Texas, you know, we eat some weird stuff down there too. So I'm not afraid of it. I'm not saying I like it all. I'm just, I don't mind trying it. <laughs> so are you like me? Will you try like any meat? Like any, it don't meat, ma- yeah. any, it don't matter what kind of meat it is. I'll try it once. I mean, I'm not like going to Hannibal Lecter anybody, but, <laughs> but you know, I've always, I'm, I'm wondering if I ever went to like Korea or anything, if I would try a dog because I'm a dog lover. So I don't know. I don't know if I would, <laughs> if it was just given to me and I didn't know, I would just probably try it. But I mean, I've had everything, squirrel, frog, yeah. snake. Um, I've even had raccoon before, like raccoon is greasy. Yeah. I, I don't like raccoon that much. I've never had it, but I, I try it. But anything else, you know, I'll give it a try. I'll try it. You did some, you, you said you did a little paddling while you were there too. Yeah, man, that was cool. So we, um, you know, once my wife joined us and, it was, you know, it was me and two other guys, right. And then our, our wives basically joined us after the trip. And in addition to some other friends that didn't want to do the hike, they just wanted to do the second half. So we made a list of things to do. I mean, you're in Iceland, obviously you're going to check some things out. And one of the things we heard about was the uh, opportunity to go kayaking in the glaciers. And let me tell you, that's something else. These aren't glaciers like in Alaska where they're falling apart and you're going to drown if, you know, a big wave comes at you. It's pretty, it's a pretty chill glacier. It's not melting that fast. It's very cold up there. So, uh, very safe, very quiet. I mean, it was probably one of the most peaceful paddles I've ever experienced in my life. We were with like 12 people, but yet it was just so quiet. I can't explain it. Maybe the ice was absorbing sound or something. But um, yeah, I mean, you're brushing up against these massive glaciers, some of them, and icebergs. So you, there's icebergs floating, and then you go up to the glacier, and you touch it, and then you put on your uh, your crampons. Uh, you get off on an iceberg, you know, a relatively flat one, obviously, put your crampons on and then you find a spot where the water is clear blue and it's drinkable. There is no animals uh, in that area that will taint the water. Um, I did kind of think about, I was like, well, birds are around here, but quite frankly, I don't remember seeing one bird out there. So anyway, I was like, screw it, I'll try this. And it was just the best taste. I, I've had glacier water before, filtered in the Tetons. This was just unfiltered, straight out of the uh, uh, small crevasse. And you pull it out and you put it in a, in a bottle, and it just tasted amazing. I can't explain it. I guess it tasted amazing because it tasted like nothing. Yeah, there was no aftertaste, no bottle taste, no... Nothing, nothing. No, uh, what's the stuff? Fluoride taste. Like yeah. There was, it, there was no, it's not like the glacier water that you buy at uh, HEB that just says glacier water on there. It, it, it's actual, <laughs> like, 
I'm, I'm je- like I don't get jealous of a lot of people um, on the show that we uh, that we interview, but I'm very jealous that I've not had the opportunity to like reach down and and taste some glacier water. Like that <laughs> that that is a that is, that is just really really cool to me. Like I, I yeah, think that's awesome. Well, man, do it. I, you know, I'm the kind of guy when I do these trips and I. I find ways to do them cheap, you know, and I find ways to do them efficiently. Um, so it's not about, you know, ha- it's not, it's not undoable. You know, so many people are like, well, shit, how much does it cost? It's, it's like, dude, it, you can make it work no matter. And if you have the money, there's a lot more you can do that. We didn't get to do, of course, you know, like helicopter flights and things like that across the Island. But, you know, I can't afford that. Uh, but you know what I like to tell people when I go on these hikes and these trips, it's like, man, anybody can do this stuff. You just got to train for it. You just got to be ready and plan it out and talk to some people. So, so since you said that, what, what's two weeks in Iceland on the cheap cost of brother? So on the cheap, well, here, let's, let's remove the part where let's just say the hiking trip, the part where it was me, Uh that was that a flight and a few hundred bucks in food. What's what's a flight cost to get there? Uh, it could be yeah, anywhere between nine hundred to maybe fifteen hundred dollars, and we were lucky to get them in the nine hundred dollar range. Yeah, that's not too bad. That's yeah, not too $900 bad. Nine hundred dollar round trip to Iceland. I mean, come on. True. Okay. All right. So nine hundred dollar, couple and, hundred dollars in food. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm exaggerating. You know, when you look at the food, I mean, if you think about the freeze dried stuff that we bought, I mean. Yeah, let's say maybe a couple hundred bucks. And then, of course, you before you go hike, you go splurge on a good meal. And then after the hike, you splurge. But that's another, what, 30, 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the rides were relatively cheap because we were basically splitting up. So I don't I don't have a definite number, but I could tell you it wasn't that expensive. Yeah. Um, the, the flight really was the, the most expensive part of the trip. Um, Sounds like but, two, three. Four thousand bucks altogether total for everything. I'm guessing. Well, the second half of the trip, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But again, that's two people, so yeah, not, not too bad. bad. That's not bad but, at all. But I'm a hostel kind of guy, so I'll stay in some, you know, hostels and things like that. So, I mean, you can make it work for a lot less. Oh man, I just don't know about sharing bathrooms with people. Man, that's- just wear just wear some flip flops. I know, but I'm on vacation. Like, I already have kids. I don't even want my kids in our bathroom. I'm like, y'all have your own bathroom. Go to your own bathroom. Like, it's a special treat when they get to take a shower, get it in the jacuzzi tub in our bathroom. Like, I don't even want the kids in there. I guess it's just the bathroom, though. Like, all the kids can come get in the bed or, you know, they get on the computer and sit at the desk and everything, and I'm fine with that, but I just don't want anybody else but me and my wife in our bathroom, like, just don't, I don't want y'all here. Just get out of the bathroom. Nah, it ain't that bad. Come on, man. But anyways, all right, all right. Enough about the Iceland trip. Uh, enough about making me jealous. And I wonder if Peta's going to get involved because we talked about eating dog and horse meat and everything else. Um, let's talk a little bit about Feel Free, man. You know, yeah. last time you were on here, you you dropped a little bit of knowledge about some boats coming out and we're going to we're going to talk about one of those a little bit later but you guys are dropping not only some new boats but some some new drives aren't you you, you want to talk about that a little bit yeah so actually they're not necessarily new drives do you do you, um 
They are and they aren't. So do you understand our relationship between us and Seastream Kayaks? Yes. Okay. Yes, so you guys are all under one sister, sister yeah. company. Or, yeah. You have, I mean, you have a big brother that, that's over everybody. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same factory. It's the same owners. We're all, you know, uh, one entity and we own Feel Free Kayaks or rather produce. Well, yeah, own and produce Feel Free Kayaks, Three Waters Kayaks, Seastream and Johnny Boats. And we, Seastream was actually a field and stream boat that we made uh, many years ago for field and stream. Um, the Eagle Talon? Yeah. Not, the, not sorry, not the Eagle Talon. I don't even, I wasn't even with the company when they were doing it. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, they were selling that kayak for many years. It was a sit on top kayak. And actually, yeah, the Eagle Talon, 120 kayak. I just looked it up. And uh, was, yeah, the Eagle Talon. Yeah. Uh, for, wasn't there a car named that? <laughs> uh, that was, um, oh man, it was a Talon, but I don't think it was Eagle. Okay. You're so gonna we, make, we, you're going to make me look it up now. <laughs> Talon car. No, you're right. It was the Eagle Talon. You're right. The, it looked like an eclipse. You know what? I, I, I got to find out why they named it that. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Field and Stream, um, you know, they sold it for many years and did a great job selling it. And eventually, so we made it for them, specifically for them. And at one point they said, hey, we're, we're not going to sell this boat anymore. We're kind of done. We're moving on to, you know, the arrangement with another brand, this and that. It happens all the time in the industry, right? So we said, hey, this is a great boat. It had pretty decent reviews. Let's make it better, right? So we uh, put it under the Seastream Kayaks umbrella. And this brand was designed. I don't want to call it a, the budget brand by any means. It's the same plastic, a lot of the same uh, accessories. We just simplified some things. Like we took out, there's no wheel, right? We reduced the amount of uh, tracks on it. We took out uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, a uh, certain quality in, in terms of uh, accessories and that we typically use on feel free and replace it with something a little more budget friendly. Mm. Uh, but again, same materials, same polyethylene. And we said, man, this is a great platform. Let's upgrade it, put a better seat on it, improve some things here and there. And let's make a version that we could put a pedal system on. So when we did that, we said, you know, this being our quote unquote budget brand, we cannot go, and put an overdrive on it. The overdrive is designed, it's higher end product, there's a lot of engineering in it. Um, it has the ability to put a motor in it. It just did not make sense to put it on this product because then it would not, it would no longer be a budget brand. It would now be a you know, mid-level to premium brand. So our designer, Peter Murphy, designed a simpler chain-driven drive um, called the Rapid Drive. And we designed that so it could be more affordable, but it's still, you know, stout and it's a quality product. And it did well. It's been doing well. We've been selling Stream Angler PDs for, you know, several years now, and they've got great reviews. You can look it up yourself. Uh, and we sell a ton of them. But when we, so when we designed, we decided to introduce the boat we're about to talk about it did not make sense to put an overdrive on it because the lure series and the Dorado are kind of our more, our, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but our, our more premium products, mm -hmm. the Moken series, 
which is what we're about to talk about, is also a premium product, but it's still a lower price point. Not as low as Seastream, but not as high as Lure and the Dorado, right? Yeah. So it did not make sense to put an overdrive on that boat either, uh, you know, so that we can keep it at a price range that made sense because the Moken series to us is more of the fish and fun series, right? It's more, it's not a recreational kayak. It's not a purely fishing kayak. We think it's a, it's a, it's a blend between the two, kind of like your fishing ski, right? Mm -hmm. Boats. So it made sense to keep it at a price point that was still affordable. So stepping, stepping forward, we decided to launch the Moken, the Moken 10 and the Moken 12 with a pedal drive. Both those kayaks have experienced tremendous success. I mean, those have been some of our best sellers. The lures do phenomenal. The Dorado does great in its own category. But the Mokins, man, I mean, we sell a ton of those. And we've been selling them, a ton of them forever. And when we relaunched the Mokin 10 and the Mokin 12 with the Easy Rider seat, which is also based on the seat that the Seastream Angler has, mm -hmm. uh, it just blew up. And this is uh, right before COVID, right? So we've experienced a lot of success with those two boats to the point we felt it might be worth selling a version of that with a pedal drive. Some people don't want to spend 2500 bucks on a pedal drive. In nope. fact, most people don't, right? And a lot of options are out there that are less than 2000 but you are going to sacrifice quality. The Seastream Angler is a great product, and it has the quality, but it's a brand that's not very well known. The Mokin is very well-known product it's been around forever so we knew that by putting a pedal drive on the mokin 10 and the mokin 12 we'd experience uh immediate success and sure enough uh we just launched the mokin 10 oh gosh what two weeks ago three weeks ago and we're just they're selling out quickly oh nice well yeah. the mokin name is is a name that has been in the industry for a very very long time like if you started kayaking 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like you knew the Mokin name because that was that was a staple of Feel Free Kayak. I mean, because it's before the Lure, it's way yeah. before the Dorado. Like it was one of the first kayaks that a lot of people purchased or test paddled or anything else. I know when um, I, you you probably were there, we probably met many times and didn't even know it. Um, over here at the uh, little lake on Conroe, that was one of the first boats I would jump into is the little Mokins and get out there and paddle <laughs> around the, the little lake there um, yeah. in Conroe because it was a cool little place for ACK to have the demos there back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah. Those those were really fun. But that, the, the Mokin name, I mean, it's been around for a long, long time, and, it, and it's glad to see, you know, I'm happy to see that you guys – are starting to put these new or not new, but putting the the pedal drives into these because man, it's people love to paddle, which that's fine. Like if you love to paddle and we talked about this on our last episode too, if you love to paddle and you don't like motors and you don't like pedal drives, that's fine. There's offerings out there for you. But I think that if you kayak and you love to fish, like if you're an angler that happens to do it out of a kayak, then you really want to be in 
a pedal drive or you want to be in something with a motor because the more that you paddle, the less time that you can actually fish. So I'm glad to see, you know, the Mokin coming out with the PDL. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's that hands-free experience, you know, whether you're shooting photos or, you know, casting a line, you know, the ability to do that while you're still moving is just phenomenal. You know, I've always been a true, not a true, but a, a more passionate about paddling, right? And when pedal drives came out, I'm like, hell no, I'm not going to get in a pedal drive. And well, as a photographer who, uh, and you know, marketing guy, I spent a lot of time taking photos and creating content. And I found myself enjoying the use of a paddle more and more, or sorry, a pedal. So I get it. I get the experience, you know, and of course, fishing. I mean, this is a no brainer. But one thing I will say is the Mokin 10 and Mokin 12 paddle versions will still be around okay yeah we're not eliminating them by any means this is not a replacement it's we now have four models available it's just a, a little bit a little bit extra now yeah. it and it's it's 35 inches wide you know and the, the 10 is 10 foot four like that's a stable yak like you could do pretty much anything from one of these uh Mokin 10 PDLs like you can take pictures like you said you can you know I- I'm guessing it's good on the river you know it's a smaller kayak that you're going to be able to get in and out of smaller places in um you do have some gear tracks right there on the front and the back um no hatch in the front but I mean it's a it's a 10 foot kayak you're not going to have a huge uh, hatch but it looks like it has a pretty good tank well in the back as well yeah it's a full-size tank well and we had to eliminate the hatch unfortunately just because we didn't want to in order to put a pedal drive in there we had to rearrange the deck obviously to make it longer so that people like me six foot three can still work you know in that environment and in, in order to do that we kind of dug into the front a little bit versus sacrificing the tank well uh, you know, we know that it's, at the end of the day, we refer to the Mocha series as our fishing fun series, but we know that it's mostly used for fishing. Thus, the tank well is a very important element to, to the kayak. And at the end of the day, you know, most people that are uh, fishing aren't really used, putting stuff in their hatch. You know, uh, exactly. we find that people just keep it empty most of the time or they put some, their emergency gear in there. So uh, having that open access, full size access you know, to gear on the, and the tank well was very important. So we dug into the front a little bit. Um, but you know, Hey, there's always dry bags and feel free gear. We make that too. Now, is there a lot of, you know, a big difference because, you know, you've got the rapid pedal drive, but you also have the new rapid steering system with the beaver tail rudder. Is there, is there a lot of difference between the, the new steering system and the old steering system? As in, like the eight ball that's used on the overdrive. Yes. Uh, like, like, yeah, it's designed differently. I mean, we we think it's it's lower profile. Definitely makes it. Uh, it's it's got pros and cons. Pros in the sense that it doesn't stick out, so people like that. But cons in the sense that uh, people like the the feeling of grabbing that handle, you know, the larger handle. Uh, but the reason we did the eight ball on the lure series is because the gravity seat goes up so high that it was gonna people were gonna have to reach way down to you know grab a lower profile knob so we had to create a longer handle but again you do run the risk of breaking it off or knocking it off or sometimes applying too much pressure pressure on it so 
the good news with this one is since the seat only goes up to about the top of the deck level um, on the gunnels, you know, you're not going to be reaching over. So we were able to use the same steering system that the, the Angler 120 PD uses from Seastream. Nice. So I'm looking, I'm looking at all, all the colors. What is your, uh, what's your favorite color in like the lure Dorado? I mean, you got the desert camo, the ocean camo, the winter camo, the midnight bolt, electric blue, green fish, the lime camo and the fire camo. I'm sorry. The green flash. Green flash. Yeah. Um, well, the blue has always been my favorite, the ocean camo. Um, I've always been partial to blue colors, but that green flash, man, it just looks sharp on the water, you know, and I know it's just color, but Hey, people like their, their stuff in certain colors and hey, we respect what, that. And what's Dion, all, there, what's Dion a always said, Dion always said, you look good, you play good, I mean, you yeah. look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, you look good, you fish, or you know, you fish. Good. Yeah. There you go. Like I like, I like the green flash. I think it's really cool the lightning bolts, like on the flash series and and how they're throwing lightning bolts in there. I've always wondered. I guess it's because it's easier in the molding process to throw that camo in there, and mm-hmm. it may hides a little bit of some of the flaws and stuff that comes mm-hmm. with roto molding and everything. But I've always wondered why. Why you know it's been the ta- past ten years. Every boat is camo now. Like, there's hardly any solid color boats anymore. And I'm not complaining about it because there's, like, the green flash, which is a bright lime green and then a lighter green, like a Ninja Turtle green and gray (laughs) and black and everything. And and it's really cool. But I'm wondering why... Why everything's camo? Like it's always some color. It's camo. I don't know, man. You know, it, it really comes down to demand. You know, when we look at our numbers and what we decide, like a lot of people were complaining that we got rid of the fire camo, but what people don't know is they weren't selling that well. I mean, it's a cool looking boat, and a lot of people like it, but they're like, you know, it's a little too much for me. I'm going to go with the desert camo. So surprisingly, you know, we didn't sell as many as we thought we would. So. It all. What I'm trying to say is, it all comes back down to demand, you know. So we do an analysis of what sold, what didn't, and we talk to our dealers, and they tell us what sold and what didn't, and we basically order next year's. Uh, you know, our basically our production list is based off of that. But at the end of the day, when I say it's about demand, most dudes, I guess, want camo. I mean, it's a it's That's a melt up. You know, it, it, we 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 keep trying to push harder into the, the the female market, but at the end of the day, we still sell. I mean, I would say we're still probably eighty percent male uh, as far as our demographics go, because we don't you know have a lot of recreational offerings uh-huh. uh, compared to some other companies. But when it comes to our mainly art, like the Mokin and the Lure, it's it's eighty percent male for sure, and they just want the good old standard camel colors. Well, at one time, I think you guys offered the Mokin in like a pink and white camo for for yeah. the ladies. That was oh, that, we still sell that. Yeah, that was one of the first like lady specific camo colors that they had out there was the pink and white Mokins. We we and we still do, man. Not not the Mokin Ten PDO at this time since it's a new boat, but we I guarantee we will offer a pink version of that eventually. Oh yeah, I mean because th- those those ten foot versions of. Uh, of boats, those smaller versions of boats, the the ladies seem to like those if they're more on the recreational side or, or you know, 
like you were talking about with your photography, there's a lot of ladies that like to get out there and take pictures, mm-hmm. same same as guys, and they may not need a lure, you know, eleven five or something like that. They may need to get in one of these smaller mokins and just get out there to take their pictures and they may only do it five or six times a year, but they also want that pink color, man. They they yeah. wanna, they want to feel good about it. I found yeah. myself you're you it's funny you talk about taking pictures and how you enjoy that. I have found myself lately, I talked a little bit like two episodes ago about how fishing in tournaments has kind of ruined me for fun fishing now. Mm-hmm. Where we're going after redfish, like I'll catch some 23, 24-inch fish, and I'm just like, yeah, we throw them back. Right. Like, don't even want my picture taken anymore. But on this last trip, I've I've really enjoyed – helping my brother take some pictures and get some content. And we had some bro staffers that met us out there and actually taking pictures of them and their fish and trying to get the right angle and like, Oh, Hey, stop right there. Stop right there. Like anchor down. The sun is just perfect. Turn the belly towards me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm finding myself more and more enjoying taking pictures of other people instead of fishing which i guess that's just getting older you know i said i had a i had a birthday coming up like i i mean is that just do you think it's something about just getting older and or just you spend so much time on the water actually fishing over the years that you you just kind of develop other interests and i see myself happier that somebody else is just freaking excited that they just caught that fish than than actually catching some of the fish myself you know, the latter, I think that's the way I feel, you know, honestly, it's gotten to the point where I'd rather see other people, uh, you know, cast their fish and kill their deer. Like my daughter now is the deer hunter of the family. And I got to the point where like one day I just realized that I haven't hunted in probably four or five years and I've been taking her hunting, but the thrill of seeing her get her deer is, is in, so much more thrilling to me than me doing it myself. I still got to clean the thing. I still got to do all the dirty <laughs> you still work. You got to do all the work. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's helping for sure. But I, I will tell you, I get more joy out of seeing other people, you know, do these things. And I think part of it too is, there's, you know, it's it's relaxing, you know, to take these photos, you know, and you're more focused on the environment around you versus that fish, you know, and you get all stressed out because it's 7.30 PM, the sun's setting, you haven't caught a damn thing. And well, you know what? put that rod away and pick up that camera and, and snap some great pictures. I mean, you'll all of a sudden realize that you're missing out on this beautiful experience because you're so focused on trying to catch fish. Yeah. Get that skunk set picture. Like get that yeah. skunk set picture. Yeah, that's skunk set. That's right. Have a, have a, have a good, you know, that, that way you have something to post on your Instagram or something. Get that skunk oh, set yeah. picture and, and be, be happy with it. And I think that's going to be my, my mantra for about half the time I go fishing this year because I'm 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 set. Me and my brother are trying to win yeah. kayak team of the year in GRS. And we are concentrating on fishing Galveston Redfish series really, really, really hard. But when we're not pre-fishing for that and we're just fun fishing, I'm trying to make it a point to just capture more pictures of other people or capture more pictures of the blue heron that's right there or you know just just the the beauty of it all because i think sometimes 
us anglers, we get too one track minded. Mm -hmm. Where are the fish? What is the tide doing? What is the bait doing? I see some birds working over there. Like instead of going, man, this is beautiful. Like, look how beautiful this, this world is around me right now. And there's a lot of people that never get to experience this at all. And I have the luxury of being out here with friends, you know, being out in some quality equipment, you know, I'm not going to have to worry about where my next meal is coming from. It's just stopping to appreciate everything. And I don't want to sound all, you know, like I'm saying you need to go meditate for 17 hours and not eat. Like I'm, I'm saying like, this is, this is a pretty awesome thing that we get to go experience. Absolutely. Hey, Drew, real quick. Uh, yeah. Rookie mistake here. My Air- AirPods just ran out of battery, so let me switch over to my speaker. I apologize. Yeah, you're good, man. One second here. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Everything's still good. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's you're right. At the end of the day, we get so hyper-focused and I mean, I see friends of mine, they're just stressed out about the fish, you know, and whether they caught any or not, they just want that bigger fish and they want to make sure they can go and brag about it. And, you know, I get it. You know, I've fished for many years. I'm the same way, but there's so much more to enjoy while you're out there. And you are absolutely right. You know, as Pat, you know, in the paddle sports industry, we sometimes don't realize, you know, the opportunity we're given by get going to places that other people can't go, you know, whether it's the mangroves and the, you know, the Texas coast or, you know, a Creek where, you know, a boat can't get into, or even somebody on a raft or a smaller, uh, 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 John boat. So we get to see things that other people don't get to see. And, and uh, like, I don't mean this in a, I don't even know what the right word is. Like, this is really, truly still happening today. Like you were talking about boats not being able to get places. In a kayak, especially in the marsh and on some rivers and creeks, you can literally still get to places mm-hmm. that there may not have been another person that has been to that area or on that shoreline or got out and ate a sandwich or anything like that for years upon years. Like there are places along creeks and everything else that it may have been the Indians were the last people who, who were in that area. I think about that often, you know, when I'm down because I grew up in like the Matagorda area and we had the Karankawa Indians and everything. And I'm like, man, that would be a perfect place to have a little camp if I was an Indian like if if I was a Native American and I was living on this land, like I would post up a little fish spot right there and trap these redfish because I know that they're always going to be here. So I do think about stuff like that. There's there's places that haven't been touched by humans in a very very long time that you can get to from a kayak that you can't get to any other way unless they're going to drop you out of a helicopter or something. Right, right. It's like they say that if walls could talk, you know, and you can say, you know, if banks could talk, you know. Yeah. You just, and you, you do come across some interesting things, you know. Sometimes you some antlers, you know, some sheds and, and uh, you know, other, you know I'm, one time I was paddling in a, on this 
small creek just um, outside of Bastrop, Texas, and I came across a really torn up wagon wheel. Um, now, you know, I still think about it often, like, was this just one of those, you know, the ones they put on the fences for display? But uh, it looked pretty beat up, and I was like, man, that that might be an actual wagon wheel from the old days, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to tell yourself, that was Stephen F. Austin's wagon wheel is yeah. what it was. Make a story, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was coming over, like, like whoever Bastrop is named after, that was Mr. Bastrop's uh, auntie's wagon wheel. Yeah, she lost it, man. I found it. But Yeah, you know. right, right there. Well, last time you came on, Bones, you know, we talked a lot about the airship. You want to give an update on the airship for, for those that were, you know, curious about the airship? Like, what, 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 what's going on with the airship? Yeah, absolutely. So we're still slated for summer. You know, it has been delayed a little bit, and a lot of it has to do with just making sure that it, it you know, meets – not only our internal requirements, but our, you know, what we know consumers are going to expect, right? So we don't want to rush it. We want to make it right. And we, you know, we've got, it's the molds done, you know, we're already in, in kind of moving forward with the production side of things. And there was just a few things that we we're trying to basically fine tune to make sure that it works the way it should work. You know, the prototypes are fine. Everything, you know, pedaled just fantastic they're fun i could tell you that they're going to be a, it's going to be a fun watercraft to use uh but a lot of it had to do more of you know in terms of the functionality the ability to take it apart and put it back together that kind of thing that we wanted to make sure was you know fine-tuned to the point where we know the customer was going to be happy yeah because that's one of the main selling points of of that boat and you got to make sure that's the main yeah. selling point that you got everything right and i would rather you know buy from a company that pushes back because something isn't correct, then goes ahead and goes to production and everything. And then says, Oh, we'll worry about the returns and we'll worry about the other stuff later. Like I, I would rather, I'd rather them push it back than, than put an inferior product, not an inferior, just put a product out there that isn't exactly ready yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and now we have more personally, I have more involvement in the, in the, product development process and so together between me and the designer and then a couple of other guys here in, in feel free us you know we've really expanded you know the group of people that are working on product to make sure we're you know um putting out some well for lack of better words some cool shit there you go there you go you want to get into any any more of that y'all are going to be putting out some really cool shit later <laughs> or are we going to save that for after i cast or, or down the road <laughs> What you want to do? The everybody's been saying like they won't give me no juice because they're talking about well after I cast after yeah. I cast I'll come back on the show. We're gonna have to have you back on after I cast. More than likely, yeah, and actually, probably it's hard to say. You know, we we our plans are a little different than what you know most are doing. You know, we we try to let's just put it this way: 2024 is going to be an interesting year. Uh, I'll, I'll, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Leave the suspense. Leave the <laughs> listeners wanting a little bit more. Um, get out, guys. Uh, I think you were saying this should come out April 20th, and by that time that Mokin 12 will be uh, available for purchase. Yep. It'll be it'll be out at, uh, at all the dealers. Um, 
Anything else, man? Uh, anything you want to talk about, hit on, tell everybody to go check out the website, Any anything like that? Yeah, not, not necessarily. I mean, the Moken 10, Moken 12, you know, I do, you know, encourage our customers or future customers to, you know, of course, visit our dealers. Uh, you know, we do offer, you know, direct to consumer sales, but we always push people out to our dealers first, you know, give them a shout, give them a call. We have a nice dealer locator that we got. And we keep updated and, and, you know, if there's a boat you want to try out, many dealers have the option to rent or demo. And now that, you know, the whole COVID crap is, I guess, finally fizzled out and behind us to some extent, uh, seems like a lot of dealers are putting out their demo days again. So that's, that's something to be excited about. Absolutely, man. I can't, uh, I can't wait to get out to some of these demos again, finally. Yeah. And just talk to people within the and even if you don't want to go buy a boat, like just go go out there, look at some boats, talk to some people. Nobody is gonna be you're not gonna find a more knowledgeable group of people than you will at a demo days. Yeah. And, and half the time it may just be the people that are at the demo days because they've done so many researches on all the boats that they want to try. Like they can tell you about yeah. five or six different boats and the rep that's there is going to be able to tell you everything about his boat. But, but you know, the, the guy over there that's brought his own life jacket and his own paddle, he probably knows more about all of those boats together than anyone else there. Oh, we see those guys all the time. And let me tell you, they're a wealth of knowledge, but they'll talk your ear off too. So you got to be careful. <laughs> oh yeah. And they'll, they come early. Yeah. They, they're, they're at the, they're there soon as the demo days open and they have their own life jacket and their own paddle and they know exactly which boats they want to get into. And they are going to talk to the reps and ask them every question and try to get as much juice and information that, is possible to get but that's what that's what those are uh demo days are for to get out there and ask questions and talk to people who are in the know it's a great experience you know and and you know here at feel free we have a philosophy that everyone in the paddle sports industry is our friend and we love going to these demo days and collaborating with other you know manufacturers and you know other reps and talking to them and you know at the end of the day we're all in this together and it's it's a really fun experience. It's you know you, yeah you have a pe few people who have a lot of uh, too much knowledge sometimes and <laughs> <laughs> you know let's just leave it like at that. But at the end of the day, there's just it's just the paddle sports industry is great. You know I, I love everybody I deal with. You know and uh, demo days is certainly a, a great place to meet some of these people. Yeah, get out, get to some demo days, guys. We are going to get out of here, guys. If you haven't already, check out the Paddler's Playbook on all the social medias. Go follow Feel Free on all their social media platforms. And if you have not purchased your 2023 Bro Staff Fishing Jersey, hit me up an email, paddlersplaybook at gmail.com, or check out the social media for a link there. Like I said, if you don't do Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, that's fine. Just send me an email. I'll shoot you over the link to the 2023 Bro Staff Fishing Jerseys. Guys, me and Bones, we are out of here. Peace. Peace.